This is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberly Lavelle, and this episode is Educating the Different Learner, Dyscalculia. So in this episode, we are getting into how do we provide a high-quality education for a child with dyscalculia. So as we talked about last time, super important, and if you didn't listen, you can always go back and listen to that. A lot of what we talked about in the dyslexia episode will apply to any learning difference. But, so what you're going to see is a lot of similar things discussed in both. Every child with a learning difference, a learning struggle, something they're struggling to learn, whether it's struggling to learn reading, math, or how to kick a soccer ball, needs systematic, explicit, repetitive, and frequent instruction until they've mastered the thing that they are struggling with. For children with dyscalculia, this is the biggest priority has to be number sense. You need to have a systematic way that you are planning to teach. There, so a scope and sequence of the information that will be taught, the types of strategies that you're going to use and reinforce, the tools, whatever it is, there is a system behind it, there is reasoning behind it, there is research behind it. They're doing it in, in a way that you know is likely to be successful systematically, explicitly. There is no guessing, there is no discovery process. Kids with dyscalculia need to be taught. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. They need to be taught how to count, how what a number means. They need explicit instruction. Other kids, yeah, they'll absorb it from just what everyone is doing around them, from practicing, seeing other people practice. They'll absorb it. Kids with dyscalculia need explicit instruction in how numbers work, in understanding that this dot means one, that this number means one, that they are representing the same thing, that it can stand for one Cheerio or one book or one out. Like what, all the things. Explicitly taught each thing that other kids are gonna grasp at a faster pace. Repetitive. We practiced one yesterday, we're practicing one again today and tomorrow and five times in a day, ideally, right? Lots of repetitions, frequent repetitions. So we practice it three times in a row, five times in a row, 10 times in a row, and then an hour goes by and we practice it 10 more times, and an hour goes by and we practice 10 more times. Frequent, frequent, frequent. It's getting in there, it's building those neural connections and really making them super strong. Then we can move on to the next thing. This is two, and we go back to one, and we go on to two, we go back to one, repetitive, 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 build all those neural networks, make them super strong. Frequent, ideally multiple times a day. Short bits of time, couple minutes, couple seconds sometimes, just a quick review, 50 times in a day. <laughs> 50 might be a bit much for anyone to actually like try to get in, but as many times, if you are homeschooling your kid, and carry around a flashcard with the number one on it and another flashcard with a single dot on it and just hold it up, have them say one, 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 you know, 
all day long until they've got that. They've got a picture of what one looks like. Then you're, how many is this? You're putting one thing in front of them and they're counting one, right? Now, normally it doesn't take very long for a child to really understand and grasp one, even those with dyscalculia, but it, it is... It is a struggle. It is something they need frequent. Frequent, the more frequently you can reinforce things, the faster your child will understand it and make progress. And not just faster as in, you know, one, one week versus one year, but faster as in a total of five hours versus a total of 50 hours. When things are only once a week, you're like just reteaching the same thing every week. And it's like Groundhog's Day every week. If you're teaching it multiple times in a day, you're going to make much faster progress and you can actually start moving forward in a much smaller amount of instructional time. So your overall instructional time can actually be less if you have a higher rate of frequency, which is why same thing with dyslexia, any, any struggle, the more frequently you can have your child work on something, whether it's with a tutor or with you or with older brother or whatever, the more frequently they can work on it, or a hybrid of all those things, the more frequently they can work on it, the more, the less time they will have to spend working on it. The less instructional time, the less practice time they will have to spend on it. They'll be able to move forward much, much, much more quickly. It is worth whatever you can do to make happen to make it very frequent. Okay. So dyscalculic kids struggle with number sense. They struggle to really grasp and represent that this number and this are like the same and equivalent and that two is more than one, especially when it's just in a written form. They have to like think about two and one and compare and how do you... Putting all of that together is not as natural at all for a child with, with dyscalculate as it is for a neurotypical child. I kind of don't like the phrase neurotypical because who really is, but the kids without dyscalculia are not going to struggle as much with that skill. They're not going to need so much like explicit, repetitive, frequent, systematic instruction in these, these things. It's the number sense, the understanding of what a number is, its value, its value compared to others, how, how numbers work, like the tens column and the ones column and what that means. And oh, now we're throwing in decimal points or fractions. Like that gets very confusing for a lot of kids. Many times more so for a child with dyscalculia. So should it be multisensory? Yes. So last week we talked about dyslexia. There's no real evidence. With dyscalculia, I've seen more evidence that it should be multisensory. They need to know, they need that concrete representation that I am, let's see, where am I? I am counting out some blocks and I concretely have five blocks to represent one, two, three. Sorry for that loud noise four or five, right? I am counting them out. I am putting them together. I am repeating this 
process. I am comparing physically showing two is less than three. I can see it, right? I can see that two is the same as two. They have to see that two is the same as two early on for some kids. They need to see it. They need to go, oh, yep, that's, that's the same height, yep. Right? Oh, but if I add one more, now they're not the same. No, now one, two, three, three is bigger than one, two, three is bigger than two, okay. They're looking at it, they're analyzing it, they're seeing it, they're feeling it initially. Then it might go into drawing it. A lot of kids with dyscalculia need it, need to have that step of being able to take something physical and draw it out to help internalize it and make a picture of it in their mind. So the next time you tell them to picture three blocks compared to two blocks, they might not have any ability to do that if they haven't had that step of drawing it out in between. It helps to, to put it in their brain. So not every kid, most will need that. Um, and we've talked, it's been a long time, but we have talked in the past about concrete pictorial to abstract. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. We're going from concrete, or it is what we're talking about here. We're going from concrete to pictorial. In this case, we're talking about having the child actually draw the picture. Now, then there also is times where you would have a picture for the child that they are using to count something out, to think about something, to analyze something. And then abstract, now you've just got numbers that they have to be able to interpret and put meaning into in their head. And there's going to be a lot of times where they need tons and tons and tons of practice of concrete and pictorial before they can get into abstract. And even when they're in abstract and you think they've got it, keep those concrete around, keep the option for pictorial around, there may be times where they need to go back to it. And this is something that holds true at every level of math. It's not like, oh, once they're past first grade math, they're good. Once they're past fourth grade math, they're good. No, keep it at all times. Always have out those number beads or base 10 blocks or whatever it is that is your child's physical manipulative to help them understand what is going on. Always have it out, always available. Sometimes just seeing it sitting there helps them picture it in a different way in their head and understand it to be able to do abstract. So multi-sensory, yes, have concrete objects for your child. What does not work? <laughs> flashcards. Flashcards generally do not work. And I just gave an example a few minutes ago, but of a flashcard. Now, it's not that you can't use flashcards ever, it's that we don't want any any of that rote memorization without understanding what it means, what it looks like. If you're just getting your kid to memorize two times three is six, two times three is six, and they don't really truly understand what two times three looks like means, the different ways that it can be applied, right? I want to see four minimum, four different drawings of two times three. And you might be thinking, well, what do you, how do you, how would you do more than one drawing of that? Right? Like you, you might only have one picture in your head. Think about it. If you haven't come up with any more, you might have two circles with three dots in each one. I have two groups of three, two times three. 
A lot of times that's the first thing that people are thinking of. Perfect. You might have a board, a, a rectangle that is two by three. And I would grid that out to show the six square feet or six square units that it represents. The, and then, and then you can also have two threes. Three plus three is two, is six, sorry. Two groups of three is six. So, and then I might next to that draw it out or put touch points on it from touch math. I'm not saying touch math is something you need to teach your child, but some kids it helps bring in, for some kids it is calculate, it does help to bring in this number has this value and they are attached, physically attaching those things. Everyone is different. So you've, you've got these different ways of showing it. Um, oh, and, and it can even just be um, like like doubling something and, and or turning it um, another way. So two times three, three times two. One of those pictures the other way or turned or two plus two plus two or and recognizing all of that switch as well. Um, it can also just be another picture where you've got like um, two people, no, yeah, two people, each holding up $3 to show that they've got three and three more. If it was two times four, I would say like you could draw out uh, two horses or two dogs that each have four legs, right? So you've got different options, different ways to picture it in your head. And they often need to draw out lots of different ways where that might show up so that they really understand what two times three is and how it works in the world. It is a slow process when you go at that pace and not just, if you rely on rote memorization, there are plenty of kids with dyscalculia that are great at memorizing. They'll rote memorize everything. They cannot attach any meaning to it. And then they come up with these wildly inaccurate answers that should be obviously wrong, but they don't realize it's wrong because they didn't notice the decimal point um, or they forgot to put the decimal point in their work and it didn't occur to them that, I, I don't even want to come up with a guess, something off the top of my head right now because I would get all the math wrong, but you know, that 2.3 times 1.9 cannot be something more than 50. Like it, you wouldn't, it can't, that wouldn't make any sense. It would have to be something small. So if they really understand it, they'll be much more successful. Um, they need that can concrete. They need, they need to actually spend the time to work through how things work. Um, number lines are very helpful in understanding where things are in a number line and then turn the number line like a thermometer. So you've got horizontal and vertical and they're understanding more and less and and that's again helpful. Um, it does not work to take away all word problems and not make the kid ever do a word problem. 
Because now you're relying on them to just mimic the procedure that you showed them how to do to get the answer. And you're not asking them to really understand it and apply it to math. So they might learn, well, when it says two plus three, I go to my number line and I find two and then I add three more and then I put the answer right there. But then when they've got a word problem down here that says Jenny had two apples, Trisha gave her three more, how many apples do does Jenny have now? They don't realize that that means two plus three. But that's how we need to use math in life. It's those story problems, those word problems. We need to have meaning and understanding. So please always give your child the word problems. If you're gonna do anything, only give them the word problems. Have them act it out. Have them physically work with things. Make sure they understand how the number works in real life. Very helpful, very important. Getting the school to provide proper instruction. Again, as I mentioned last week with dyslexia, goals can drive instruction. Having really good goals can help you make sure your child is getting really good instruction. Make sure the goal is working on your child understanding how numbers work. You want word problem goals because that requires comprehension of the math. Even if they get to use a calculator, you know, they're a little bit older, they get to use a calculator to solve it, but they have to do the word problem. They have to understand what math is happening, that things are being multiplied, that things are being divided, things are being added, subtracted. We all, almost all of us at least, carry around a calculator in our pocket constantly, um, you know, along with, it's an entire computer, right, that we're constantly carrying around in our pocket in the form of a cell phone. We... It's not a big deal for a kid to use a calculator once they have number sense. Don't jump to that until they've got the number sense because we want, or build it at the same time if they're an older child and you want them to um, access the gen ed curriculum, great. Have them use a calculator to do those word problems and work on that number sense without a calculator. So proper, the goals can drive the proper instruction Make sure the goals are in the IEP that will work on number sense. Word problems are a great way to kind of measure that, um, but not the only way. And make sure that it's not just one type of word problem. Like if it's always addition word problems, then the child will just think that all word problems mean add, which I have seen so many times that a kid will just, as soon as they see a word problem, they'll look at the numbers and start adding them. They don't, they don't, nope, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, so good goals can drive good instruction. Make sure you've got really well-written goals that work on number sense. And it might also be more basic number sense. Things like the child will be shown an array of dots and be able to say what number it represents. The child will be able to compare two numbers accurately and it it's one digit numbers two digit numbers three digit numbers four digit numbers that comparing goal is good across many many grade levels because decimal numbers fraction numbers 
it requires number sense. The child has to understand the value of this compared to the value of this. They have to understand the value of two numbers and work with that. It is a number sense goal. Comparing is also a great goal. So if you've got nothing else to work from, a numbers a comparing goal and a word problem goal, and your, your child is probably working on number sense to get there. You also can absolutely ask for, encourage that the teacher is trained in dyscalculia, has read something about it, went to a training one time. Um, you can ask for specific programs. There are not any that I've seen that are proven to be specifically effective for kids with dyscalculia. Um, it's more about making sure that they don't just accommodate your child out of instructing them. Like I said, don't let them accommodate the child. Oh, we won't give her word problems. Don't do that. Less is fine. Um, different structures is fine, but don't just eliminate the word problems because then your child is not working on number sense. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> I get a little passionate sometimes and I have to breathe. Outside tutoring. You're worried about your kid. You want to get them some outside help. Where do you go? Okay. This is harder because unlike dyslexia, there is less available for dyscalculia. It's less, the tutors are less common. The programs are less common. It is becoming more and more common. There are some great ones out there. Um, Feel free. There are, there's plenty. I've looked at them. From what I can tell, they look great. You can find a tutor in those specific areas. You can look up tutors who work with dyscalculia. You can, but just be aware. Make sure that they are in some way trained and that they are going to work on number sense. Not on getting your child to memorize facts. Not on getting your child to get, learn a bunch of tricks. When children rely on tricks to get through math, they eventually get to a point where they're trying to use the wrong trick with the wrong skill and they don't ever really understand the math that they were using the trick for. And therefore now they're in 11th grade and can't do math at all because they don't really understand first grade math because people only ever taught them tricks. Tricks. Shortcuts are okay once the child understands why it works in the long version. They can learn the short version once they've learned the long version. So look for outside tutoring that is not, if they're driven by really fast results, that's a big red flag to me. Because you can't guarantee fast results unless you're trying to teach the kid tricks to get through things fast and it's not long-term really true understanding that will benefit them in the long-term. It's like a quick fix that actually makes things worse in the long-term. So don't go for fast results. Go for train in dyscalculia or focusing on number sense and using manipulatives, concrete, lots of repetition, something systematic look for those kinds of things, talk to the tutor. Um, 
And there are, there are some programs online. I, I used ST math personally in my classroom two years ago and it was good. Um, it was not, it wouldn't work for every kid with dyscalculia, but it had benefits and it was good in a lot of ways. There are others that promise similar things. Um, I had somebody on the podcast and it was similar in that it was fine. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, so I'm not even going to recommend it, but, <laughs> but look at those. There are options. What you really want to focus on is not, not focusing on memorization, instead focusing on true comprehension of the math, concrete. So even if your kid's on the computer, you want something that has a physical representation with it. Like with ST math, we had physical manipulatives in front of them while they were on the computer. They're using this to solve what's there, that there's, there's a, it is multi-sensory. Um, and you want, you want it to be systematic. You want it to be explicit. You want it to be repetitive. You want it to be frequent. You want it to be focused on number sense, building, building on all of that knowledge. Okay. Takeaway. Children with dyscalculia need explicit and systematic instruction at a high rate of frequency. I don't know why the ending there got all messed up. I kept messing me up before. Sorry. So if you're reading it, ignore the, the mess up at the end. Children with dyscalculia need explicit and systematic instruction at a high rate of frequency in number sense. Keep that in mind, in number sense. If you want to schedule a call, I do teach kids with dyscalculia as a tutor virtually. If you are interested in that, you can reach out to me. I might have a spot left. Um, you can email me, Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com and email me what time you're hoping for so that I can just let you know right away whether or not that's going to work. Um, you also can reach out to me if you want some help in finding someone, comparing people, looking at an IEP, looking at a report, trying to understand how to help your child yourself. Um, if you're stuck, like, you know, we were going great with this and now we're stuck in this. What can we do? I can help you get over hurdles, any of that. You can also, I love stories, email me a story. Kimberlyn at decodinglearningdifferences.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I will talk to you again next week.